0: Thanks, Rebecca. Well, if you were with us last week, you know that we're in a new sermon series in the summer. It's the second Sunday of summer. How excited are we about that? Yes, I'm holding a red Bible. I don't need this red Bible, and I'm awkwardly going to hand this off. Here we go. Good. So, second Sunday in summer, and uh, we are in a new sermon series. Wow, that's a lot of S's I just did there. Uh, summer reads and. Greg Bennett led us last week in an incredible sermon, uh, Getting Unstuck. How many of you guys were here for last week's sermon? All right. If you weren't, I encourage you to go online, check it out. It's going to bless you. It's awesome. Uh, We're in a, now, this idea of summer reads is kind of like, okay, you're going to the bookstore, if you go to bookstores, uh, or you go to Amazon, and you're looking for that book, right? You're looking for that book that you're going to read poolside while on vacation. Am I right? And I'm looking for that book. And so... Today's book is Vacationing with God. Second Sunday in summer, we're going there. We're going to vacation with God today. Did you, uh, in John chapter 1, did you notice that uh, that was kind of a weird ending there? How it kind of abruptly ended? Did you, know? Verse, uh, what was it? John chapter 1, verse 39, it was like, uh, they remained with him that day. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I thought that was kind of odd. Like, how did, it, why, what's the significance of 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Well, it's 11.39 a.m. at Bel Church, so I guess it's 4 o'clock somewhere. Is that how that saying goes? No? But it's so interesting, like, how that, that can evoke images of vacation, right? 5 o'clock somewhere, and we're like, oh, there I am. I found my beach. I found where I, I'm going, right? And so this idea of vacationing with God, what would that look like? What would it, I mean... Could it be that God would be inviting us to go on vacation with him? I'm not, I'm not talking about Margaritaville, but like, you know, maybe he's inviting us to travel with him, to, to journey with him, to go and rest and be with him. I wonder what that would be like. And uh, Recently I was talking with a friend and I asked, I was like, what, what enlivens you? What do you feel like God's calling you to? And this person starts describing you know, I, I feel enlivened when I'm in nature. I feel alive. The awe and wonder of, of, of the beauty of, of nature, just being surrounded in that, that's where I really feel like I come alive. I feel like there's something about the warmth of the sun. and Just this, this idea of warm water. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not a calling, that's a vacation you're describing. Like I don't know, but I mean maybe am I alone or any of you feeling called right now by God to go to Fiji? Like <laughs> yes, the Caribbean maybe or at least Cabo? Like who's with me? I feel like God's strongly calling me to Cabo right now. No, but we do. We we're looking for this opportunity to escape. We're looking to get away. We want to rest. We want to unwind. Right? We're, we're stressed out, and so we're looking for this opportunity to go somewhere where I'm going to be filled back up. And the problem is is sometimes when we do this, we escape everything in life. We vacation from everything in life, including God. And we might not think that. We might not intentionally think that like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation from God this time but we do. And I wonder why. Why do we vacation from God? I wonder because maybe it's because um, the things of God we often think have to be like heavy and, and serious and deep, right? And when I'm on vacation, I don't know about you, but I'm not looking for heavy, serious, and deep. I'm looking for light and fun and relaxing. Am I Right? And so I think that, okay, well, God, I'll go heavy and deep with you here in church on Sundays. But everything else, I'm going to kind of go light with it because I can't take it right now. I I, I don't want to go deep. I wonder if that's why sometimes we vacation from God. But what if? What if God's inviting us into something that's joy-filled? What if God's inviting us into something that's fun-loving? What if the very things that we're looking for, the very life that we're looking for can be found in Him? Maybe we wouldn't be running and we'd be running towards instead of away. See, I recognize, look, all of us, we can't afford, we don't have the time necessarily to go on vacation, I get it. Some of us are gonna have to get creative and do a staycation. Or some of us are just gonna, after you know, today, you're gonna be like, I'm going to the beach, half day. Whatever it is, I believe that When you're vacationing with God, you're going to find the joy, you're going to find the rest, you're going to find the renewal and the fun, you're going to find the very life that you're looking for. Sounds good, huh? Yeah, I want that. Let's go right now. (laughs) Well, like any good vacation, we're going to have to do some, we're going to have to get some travel tips, right? If you're going to go on any vacation, where do you go? Okay, it's not a plug, but I usually go to TripAdvisor. And so I need some trip tips. I need some travel advice. And these are our three trip tips today. You guys ready? Okay, it's simple. The first is you got to look. You got to pay attention. When you're on vacation, you want to pay attention to your surroundings. And when you're on vacation, you need to listen. The second thing, you got to listen. Listen to what God might be saying to you. What God might be inviting you into. And thirdly, you got to respond. Look, listen, respond. It's simple. Can we do this? Okay, it's summertime. I'm, I'm trying to have fun here. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. It's okay. And it's going to keep it simple. Keep it light. It's good. Here we go. Let's get going. You guys ready? Yes. John chapter 1. Let's go there. John 1 verses 35 through 39. Now, before we dive in, I want to give you some context. Now, this could be a little confusing because what we read, we learned of a guy named John. And we're also reading from a book that's titled John. It's not the same guy, okay? The book was written by the Apostle John. The guy that he's talking about is the, uh, John the Baptist or the baptizer. If you're a Presbyterian, for whatever reason, it's like, no, he can't be Baptist. He's a, he's a baptizer, I know. <sighs> anyway, John, this guy John the Baptist or baptizer, whatever. I'm not going to keep doing that. He, uh, <laughs> he was a good speaker. He was a, he was a powerful preacher. I mean, this guy was bringing in huge crowds. He was, uh, was kind of weird, okay? He was, a, he was a funky dresser. He wore like camel hair. And he had a really weird diet. I mean, kind of L.A. diet, right? Uh, no, not in L.A. I don't know why I'm looking at my wife. Uh, L.A. diet, you know, he, he's eating locusts and honey, I guess. You know, it's, hey, no judgment there. And he's baptizing like crazy. He's just bringing people and baptizing them like crazy. Hence his name, John the Baptist, right? In fact, this guy, John, was the very person who baptized Jesus. He was the one. And on that day, John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Did you imagine? Do you imagine being that person that gets to baptize Jesus, right? And then as he comes out of the water, you see the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus, and you're thinking, oh wow. This is it. This is him. This is the guy. This is the one I've been looking for. This is the one we've been anticipating. He is here. This idea, this this sign of the Holy Spirit descending upon the Messiah. This is the one. This is the Christ. And so we come to John chapter 1, verse 35. And John the Baptist, the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. I want to stop there. The Lamb of God, what is that about? Why is that so significant? Why do I need to pay attention to, look, here's the Lamb of God. Well, John, earlier in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 29, uh, he says, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is significant because the Lamb of God was referred to, uh, the Messiah was referred to as the Lamb of God back in Isaiah, Isaiah 53. But before Isaiah, the Lamb was a significant, um, it was extremely significant in the Passover, right? The Jews were um, in, in, oh man, <laughs> in Egypt, thank you. Uh, the Jews were in Egypt. <laughs> it's summertime, <laughs> Okay, Mike, here we go. Jews were in Egypt, uh, enslaved there. And uh, one of the plagues, you know, significant, God said to Moses, I want you to take a lamb. And forgive me, vegetarians, but I want you to slaughter the lamb. I want you to slaughter the lamb, and I want you to take the blood of the lamb and cover the the doorposts. And as the angel of death passes over, you will be spared because of the blood of a lamb. And it was that same imagery that was used for the Messiah. And it's that same imagery that John the Baptist says, look, see, notice, pay attention. Behold, the Lamb of God is here. The first travel tip, if you're going to go on a vacation with God, if you're going to journey with Jesus, you need to look. You need to pay attention. And I want you to Circle that word, look, in your Bible. Maybe you don't write in your Bibles. I'd encourage you at this, yes. I'd encourage you to underline, circle a couple times, look. It's a simple word and you would just skip right over it. But it's significant. It's important. It's a command that John is saying to his disciples. I want you to pay attention to this. Don't miss it. God is here. God is here here. He's on the scene. He's among us. Don't miss him. He's walking by. The first thing that we need to do is we need to look and pay attention to the very presence of God in our life. Not just while we're on vacation, but every day, every day. And yes, it's in our mission statement, everywhere, with everyone. It's true. Do we pay attention to God's activity in our life? Do we pay attention? Do you notice God? Do you, do you pay attention to the Spirit's voice in your every day? See, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is alive. Do we not? Yes, we believe that Jesus is alive. Not only is he alive, but he's active. He is present. He is engaged. It's not an issue of whether or not Jesus is alive and active. It's an issue of whether or not we're paying attention. Are we aware? Are we even looking for him? It's so important In order to follow him, we have to pay attention. Not only do we have to pay attention to the presence of God in our life, but it's really important for us to pay attention to how we view this God who is in our life. John 1, again, verse 36, it says, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Verse 38. When Jesus turned and saw them following, I want to stop there. I want to do an exercise, something that you might not ever do when you read scripture, but it's really fun. So I want to invite you into it, okay? So we're going to do something with our imagination. God's given us our imagination. We're going to do something called an imaginative read, okay? So I want you to picture yourself. In the scene, I want you to imagine yourself as one of John's disciples. Okay, we're going to do this. Literally, I'm going to give you permission to close your eyes, not to take a nap, but to actually engage further with Scripture as I read this to you. Picture yourself in the scene. And as John watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look! Here is the Lamb of God and you, being one of two of the disciples, heard him say this and you followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw you following, what's the expression on his face? As he turns and sees you and you see him what do you see in his face? What are his eyes telling you? Okay, I want you to open your eyes and I want you to actually take a moment in your bulletin. There's a little bit of space. I want you to write down what you saw. What is it? What was the facial expression What were the eyes of Jesus telling you? And I want you to be honest. You're not turning this in. No one's going to see this. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. What is it that you saw? And it's okay if you didn't see anything because this is your first time doing an imaginative read. That's fine. But I'm curious what were his eyes telling you? What was the expression on his face? Not only is it important for us to pay attention to God's activity in our lives, to notice, to pay attention to the way in which we view God, but it's also really important for us to pay attention to the way in which we view God viewing us. How we view God viewing us. What do you think His opinion is of you? Is He annoyed? Is He critical? Is He disappointed? Is he frustrated? Is he always judging? Is this your opinion of how God views you? See, I'm a third child of four. I have two older brothers. They're older and one's five years older and the other one's seven and a half years older. And I mean, my oldest brother was like idle, okay? Like he was cool. This guy, like I would sit in the bathroom when I was a kid and I would like really literally try to comb my hair the way he combs his hair. I would, like when he played soccer, he would run like this. It's not cool, but it doesn't matter because he was doing it and I would do it. Like I would model my life after him. And it was these two brothers that would go off into the neighborhood and they would go play. They would go have fun. And I'm the younger brother and I'm, I'm like, I want to go play with you. And so I would run after them and I would follow them and and they would be walking and as they noticed, they would look back and see me and they'd be like, oh, Mike, go home. We don't want to play with you. Hurts. Hopefully, I'm going to send them this later. (laughs) I'll be like, hey, no. But is that the way in which we view God viewing us? Oh, come on. Really? You can't be more spiritually mature? I mean, seriously, you're still going to participate in those activities? Really? Oh, do you know how embarrassed I am of you? This is ridiculous. I mean, when are you going to step up? When are you going to be enough? This is not his view of you. He doesn't see you this way. Those are lies. Those are not from Jesus. Those are not from God. It might be from someone else. It might be from someone in your childhood. It might be from your parents. It might be from from a teacher or a coach or a sibling or a friend. But this is not from God. It's not Jesus. In fact, you need to know who you are. You need to know how God views you. We call this our identity in Christ. This idea of being in Christ. For those of us that place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are called children of God. Beloved children of God. You are Christ's joy. You are Christ's free choice. What do I mean by that? God chose you. No one made him do it. It wasn't like we were playing dodgeball and you were the last to get chosen on the team and he's like, oh, I guess you're on. It was his free choice. He chose you. He wanted you. He wants you. You are accepted by Jesus. And you are ridiculously loved. That's who you are. That's who you are. So let's try it again. I want you to imagine again, you're in the scene. You're in the scene and and Jesus is walking by and you're running up to him and he turns back and looks at you. What's his face? What are his eyes telling you now? Do you see the love? Do you see the joy? Do you see the anticipation and the excitement? He's like, awesome! Awesome! Yes, come, this is so, yes, I want to be with you. Do you imagine God having that kind of excitement towards you? Why am I making such a big deal of this? Because I believe that the way in which you view God and the way in which you view God seeing you impacts whether or not you're going to move towards God or you're going to move away from God. It's going to decide whether or not you are going to vacation from God or you're going to vacation with God. And the lens in which you view God really matters. It really matters even in the way in which we view scripture, the way in which we read scripture. Let me give you an example. One of my favorite passages of of all time has been Psalms 139. How many of you are familiar with Psalms 139? Okay, so I'm going to read it in a moment, but I want to give you some context. This is written by David, King David, and this is after David had an affair with Bathsheba. This is after David uh, killed her husband, Uriah, sent him to the front lines to be killed. He murdered Uriah. David did, King David. And he writes this psalm. But this is also a psalm that was written after he confessed his sin to the Lord. This was after he received the grace of God. I mean, if anyone could imagine being disappointed in them, if anyone could imagine God being disappointed in them, it's David. And this is the psalm that he writes, and I want you to hear it. It's a paraphrase. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back, I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much. This is too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? I mean, if I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wing to the far west horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. And then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness it's not dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside and out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you. High God, you are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone of my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit and how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I would even lived one day. Your thoughts. Oh, how rare. How beautiful. God, I'll never comprehend them. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand of the sea. Oh, Let me rise in the morning and live always with you. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, the one person, David, who could have easily imagined God being disappointed in him, writes this. And it doesn't sound like God is, that he views God as disappointed or annoyed or frustrated or disinterested. No, instead he finds comfort in God's presence He worships God for his beauty. He wants to be with him night and day. He's not vacationing from from God. He's traveling with God. This is a paraphrase of a paraphrase. You ready? It's as if he's saying, if I were to go skydiving, you're there. If I were to go spelunking, you're there. If I catch a flight to Fiji, to the farthest island possible, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting for me. Isn't that incredible to think about? According to David, that's a good thing. See, God's presence is meant to be a reassuring, not threatening. God's knowledge of us is meant to be celebrated and not feared. God's involvement in our life is meant to be welcomed and not avoided. See, God formed us in the womb. He knows us inside and out, and that's a good thing. God is there when we come and when we go. We cannot escape his presence, and that's a good thing. God won't lose us in the dark or overlook us in the light. He's concerned for us all the time, and that's a good thing. We are secure in God's presence and God's love. So not only in the first travel tip do we need to be aware of God's presence in our life. Not only do we have to be aware of the way in which we view God and the way in which God views us, but secondly, the second travel tip is that we need to listen because God is speaking to us. We need to listen and pay attention to what he's saying. Specifically, we need to listen for the question that Jesus is asking of us. See, when John's disciples come face to face with Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the, of the world, God in the flesh, and Jesus asks them, What are you looking for? That's the question. What are you looking for? And their response was, Rabbi, where are you staying? I want to go where you are, I want to be where you are. Where are you staying? what are you looking for? That's the question. That is the question that God is asking us today. Church, what are you looking for? It's not that Jesus didn't know the answer to this question that he was asking these new disciples. It was that it was a powerful thing to put voice to it. It's a powerful thing for you and I to put voice to the the very thing we're looking for. The very person that we're looking for. So I'm asking, I want you to write it down. What are you looking for? Be honest. Take a minute. I mean, it's the 4th of July week, right? Maybe you're looking for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I don't know. Maybe you're looking for love and joy and peace, forgiveness, healing, salvation. Maybe you're looking for ways to be obedient to God's voice, to stand up for justice, to be more loving spouse or a more present parent. What are you looking for? Maybe you're not looking for any of these. Maybe those are a little bit too heavy for summer. Maybe you're like me and you're looking to be more joy-filled. Maybe you're like me and you're longing to be more fun-loving. And a vac- vacation with God sounds pretty darn good right about now, doesn't it? In fact, I, I wrote something down. What am I looking for? And, and for some, you know, we call this a rule of life, but I'm not, I don't, the rule aspect really, I don't know, I pushed against it a little bit, so I was like, okay, it's a life-giving rhythm, okay? What would be a life-giving rhythm? And I want to read it to you. I wrote that I am a joy-filled, fun-loving, adventurous, compassionate, faith-filled, beloved child of God, who engages with others with hope, thoughtfulness, appreciation, and gratitude. I really like who I am, and I believe, more importantly, God really likes who I am. To continue to dive into who I am and thrive, I covenant to live according to the following life-giving rhythm of what I call playful spirituality. Yeah, you usually don't hear those two words next to each other, do you? Playful spirituality, don't steal that. Don't go write your book. <laughs> Wherever the cameras are, you're watching. Don't steal, that's mine. Trademark, R, circle. <laughs> Daily, I will pay attention. Acknowledge and share the grace I receive from God. Weekly, I will either, what I'm calling, I know there's a movie called Soul Surfer, but I want to soul surf. I don't just want to surf. I want to surf with Jesus. I want to pay attention to God's presence while I'm out in the water. I want to anticipate being with God before I even get there. I want to jog with Jesus. If you never jogged with Jesus, you're missing out. It's incredible meditation. I'd encourage you to try it. But weekly, I'm going to do one of those two things. And monthly, I'm going to make a grace photo timeline. You can do that on your phone. I'd encourage you to check it out. You're looking for God's grace in your life and you're keeping record of it. I'm going to take photos. I'm just going to review it and say, thank you, God. This is incredible. I want to pay attention. I want to listen. I want to listen to God's invitation. Mike, what are you looking for? Are you looking for joy? Are you looking for fun? I want to listen then for his invitation. Not just the question, but his invitation. You find it in verse 39. It's really simple. John 1, verse 39. Jesus said to them, come and see. Come and see. It's, it's a simple invitation, and yet it's the same invitation that God is extending to you and I this morning. Come and see. Come and see what your marriage could look like if you followed me. Come and see what friendships could be like if you followed me. Come and see how I'll care for you in your pain as you follow me. Come and see what forgiveness is like. Come and see what healing really is like. Come and see what joy and what play could really be like. Come and see what a life fully alive could be like just by following me. Come and see. God's question and Christ's invitation is the same for you and I today. What are you looking for? What's the invitation? Come and see. But the third travel tip, not only do you have to pay attention to God's activity in your life, not only do you have to listen for the question and you have to respond to the invitation. That's the third thing, responding to that invitation. You have to decide whether or not you're gonna vacation from God or you're gonna vacation with God. Are you going to live life with God or are you going to live, did I do this for from, sorry, live life away from God or are you going to live life, just want to make sure you guys are paying attention, (laughs) are you going to live life with God? We no longer have to ask the question that the disciples asked, where are you staying because Jesus wants to make his home in you, Jesus wants to make his home in me. You just have to simply respond with yes. I believe that you take away my sin. You see me with eyes of love and forgiveness. I am loved by you. So Jesus, I want to go to work with you. I want to parent with you. I want to sweat in the gym with you. I want to rest with you. I want to sit poolside with you. I want to vacation with you. Take all of me, all of life. I want to live with you. That's how we respond. I started the sermon with John 139 and how it just kind of ended weird, but I'm going to go back there. John 139, Scripture says it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when John's disciples said yes to following Jesus, and yes, it's four o'clock somewhere. Now is the time. Now is the time. We don't wait till four o'clock in the afternoon. We respond now to following Jesus. S- And you know what? Jesus is saying yes to you. Are you aware of that? Jesus says, I have come not as a thief, not as one who kills your joy or robs you of your peace or destroys your life. No, I have come to give you life. Do you believe this, church? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus will lead you to the rest and the renewal, the love and the joy, the very life in which you are longing for, the life that you are looking for? This is found in Jesus Christ. Do you believe this, church? I believe God is here. I believe God is where you are going next. I believe Jesus goes before you. I believe that Jesus is behind you. I believe that Jesus is with you. I believe that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. The issue is not whether or not God is here, God is present. We just need to pay attention. And He's inviting us, He's inviting us to come and see. That same Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, is inviting you and I to come and see what life to the full would look like in relationship with Him. That same Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, was sitting with His disciples having dinner. On that night, the Lamb of God took bread. He said, this is my body. He broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. As often as you eat this bread, I want you to remember me. Will you do that? When you eat this bread, will you remember me? Who I really am? Will you remember the way in which I, I really view you? The love that I really have for you? As you eat this bread, remember me.
1: And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of many. Drink this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That you say, now's a good time to sit down and kick it and just enjoy a little bread, a little juice. Let's just relax and be with each other. That's this table, God. But no matter what is going on in our life, no matter the battles, no matter matter the discouragement, the isolation, no matter all of the things that the enemy wants to break us and bend us and keep us down, that you say, hey, why don't we get together for a meal? How about we spend some time together? And so God, we thank you for this table. We thank you for this bread and this juice In the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask that you would set these elements aside now, that they would cease to be common elements and they would become more, not different, but sacred. Things that when we put them in your hands, they do miraculous things in us. And God, we ask that you would put our lives in your hands, that we would also be set apart. Help us remember saying yes to you. And if there's any here who have not yet seen Jesus looking at you, see him now. Come now. This is your table.